names are Teresa and Gumby. Welcome to Escaping Society. We wrote our own song so we wouldn't have to pay for anyone else's copyright infringement. Oh, society sucks and we don't need it. It's killing your kids, so why do you feed it? They'll tell you to stay, but you don't need to heed it. You can give them the finger. There's no time to linger. Snake. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Escaping Society, episode 41. That's what she said? Interview Teresa. Oh, I'm Teresa. And I'm Gumby. And this episode uh, came about when we were writing down some ideas of episodes that maybe would be easier. I don't know how easy this is going to be for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gumby wrote down Interview Gumby and Interview Teresa. And then when I got to choose the episodes for this season, I didn't choose Interview Gumby. Um, but he chose interview Teresa, so <laughs> that just shows you how selfish I am. Mm-hmm. And let's see, before we get started with the interview, um, we're in Bahama. Yeah, we're in Bahama, North Carolina at one of our really favorite parks, Spruce Pine Lodge. It's really quiet out here. Typically. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, we're both still recovering from our second flu of the season. Or pneumonia, whatever. And it's that time of year where everything just kind of feels like, for me anyway, I'd say really difficult. Like I'd feel, I feel like I'm going uphill with everything. I, the end of winter, I just feel kind of worn down and I haven't got that rejuvenating energy of spring in me yet. But luckily, um, we've had a couple of days of like kind of low rain. They've been warm, but they've been kind of gloomy and rainy. And um, it's a nice, optimistic, sunny day now. So I'm really thankful for that. And anything you want to add before we... We're about to go into the woods for a couple nights on a survival overnight challenge. And it is going to be cold. Um, One of our challenges is to get a fire without the use of matches or a lighter. Um, So I'm thinking about that and the possibility that I might be facing a really cold night. But uh, but also feeling optimistic because I feel like the sun may charge up our uh, bow drill set. Maybe. Maybe we'll get that coal. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe it'll be my lucky day. Mm-hmm. And this is two nights, and we're uh, going to be relying on the land for our fire. we got to make some kind of friction fire set. We get to use tools for this one, like a saw and a knife and uh, improvised cordage, like shoelaces, whatever. Can't bring in cordage, like in other words, like 550 cords specifically for it. we got to improvise what we already have on us. And the water challenge is we can bring in anything that's not specifically made for water. So in other words, we can't bring in a ma- an algae bottle to gather our water. we got to bring in like soda cans, beer bottles. We're kind of practicing improvising, in other words. Gumby's drinking a beer at 11 a.m. <laughs> so that we can have a beer can. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this interview, I guess um, I chose a number of questions. You were just like, what's a good number for the questions? And I said nine. So three of them I came up with. Three of them you told me beforehand. Of course, I forgot because I have a terrible memory. And then three of them, I don't even know what they are. Yep. And 
my goal for these questions as I'm trying to think of what questions to interview Teresa with is to acknowledge that for a year now she's been trying the van life thing. She's done some houseless retreats being out on the street. So she's got a little taste of like being, um, I guess, your more traditional view of homeless, you know. Um, she's done some wilderness survival. She's, uh, since I've met her, she's been introduced to backpacking and gotten quite a bit of experience with that and gone on to um, pretty good length hitchhiking trips. So my questions are kind of geared towards that. Like, what can I extract from Teresa, hopefully, if I've crafted good questions mm. that maybe we have not already talked about? Any new information from this person that is accumulating um, a body of experience that maybe not everybody has. And even if you've been hitchhiking, I mean, we all have unique experience. So her experiences, if you've been hitchhiking, backpacking the whole nine yards, still hers are going to be unique. So hopefully I've uh, come up with some good questions. And hopefully I will squeeze something out that'll be good. <clears throat> mm, not mm. that. Are you ready? I guess so. All right. Let me begin. Mm. We've now done 40 episodes of our Escaping Society podcast. Of the episodes, what do you think your rose or favorite episode has been, as well as your thorn or least favorite episode? Oh, <laughs> God, God damn dear. The burp was not part of the question. You don't need to, you don't need to answer that. Um, so, yeah, I'll just go ahead and... Uh, I'll consider that burp my the period at the end of that sentence. Oh, okay. So, your rose and your thorn. Favorite episode that we've done so far and least favorite. Okay. Um, most favorite episode, I feel like it has been Peace Pilgrim. And I feel like that because I guess she's just such an inspiration to me. And we did a lot of good digging um, research-wise, but also internalizing her messages. So I felt like speaking in that episode, it was a great mixture of research and just being able to, to speak from our hearts, from our experiences and, and how we feel about her message. And I'd agree with that. And do you remember the morning we recorded that? I remember like how we were inundating ourselves with watching videos about her and everything. <laughs> yeah. And we just reached California that morning. What was the name of that lake? I think it was Honey Lake. Honey Lake. Yeah, it felt like a very like being on the road, kind of tasting that freedom. Mm-hmm. You're having all kinds of van trouble at the time. Yeah. There cool. was a, yeah. And and just I don't know, like Peace Pilgrim, she's still uh I guess a hero of mine, so um, I definitely liked doing that episode and listening to it again and again and again. I agree. <laughs> Least favorite episode. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why you could think like, okay, this is the least favorite episode. Um, so my least favorite one I feel like has been leaf, leaf stories and singing stones. And the reason why isn't because of the subject at all. In fact, I love learning about and experiencing animism in my life, but I feel like I did it a huge disservice. Um, I don't feel like that episode in particular, I was able to express my experiences with animism. And I think part of that, uh, when I was thinking about like my least favorite episodes I love having a fire during the episode, but it's really distracting. And so 
having the fire during also the fire people, I feel like that was another episode that was kind of like, wah, wah, I wish it had been better. And I feel like the distraction of the fire, even though I wanted it that day, um, added to kind of the confusion. And I made the list for the Leaf Stories episode and I left things out and I feel really bad about that. Yeah, Teresa and I take turns organizing the episodes, so we kind of come up with a brainstorm list of whoever thinks of whatever to add to the list, and then whoever's turn it is will organize the episode of what we talk about in what order, and um, if you ever wonder who's organizing the episode, it's whoever does the introduction in the beginning, but um, that's why Teresa's like, I guess, taking responsibility for this one, but (laughs) I would just add um, the last few episodes, like I I think a lot of it's got to do with the time of year, which is interesting because the the topic that you just brought up, Leaf Stories and Singing Stones, is animism. Yeah. And we're not separate from the time of year. And this time of year, I've always found sort of like it's darkest before the dawn, you know, it's the coldest part of the morning is right before the sun comes up. I feel like there's something that happens in the year right before spring that it's sort of the darkest spiritually. And, um, man, all the episodes we've done this season, I found kind of like deflating and discouraging and as well as just not even the podcast, but just this time of year, which is one of the reasons we're uh, about to go do a survival overnight to shake things up <laughs> a little bit, get out of our rut. Yeah. But uh, did you have anything else that you would like to add to the uh, Rose or Thorn episodes? Um, I don't think so. I feel like I I was given that question beforehand, so I was able to remember that one and think about it. Well, we've both learned how differently our topics look after we've done an episode compared to what we thought they'd be when we first had the idea. But with that understood, what's your best guess for a bud or episode coming up that you're looking forward to? Yeah, so the Bud um, episode, I'm really, really hoping, <laughs> is uh, Robin Robin the Hood, right? Mm, yeah. So I feel like when we get to showcase um, people or the lives of people, I feel like I can really get into that. Um, and I also feel like the message behind the Robin Hood stories is a really good, inspiring message, especially for these podcasts, Escaping Society. So um, I'm really hoping that that one will be maybe the one that puts us back in a a good mood, a good feel for doing the podcast. God, I hope we last that long. <laughs> when you pick that one out, we've got this big list of anything that we think could possibly be a good episode. And Teresa picked that one out off our list this last time for next season. Um, and I got to say, when you picked that out, I was kind of like, eh, you know, I wasn't that excited, but as we get closer to it and I learn more and I think more about what Robin Hood represents, I'm getting more excited about that one too. <laughs> um, can you run us through a somewhat typical day in the life of living in a van? What does that look like for people who have never done something like this? Oh, uh, well, <clears throat> I will give you pretty much a rundown of our day. <laughs> hmm, how early should I start? <laughs> okay. You share whatever you want to. So we wake up and a lot of times we'll be in a hotel or motel parking lot. And so one of us goes in and gets the coffee. If we're not, if we're in a uh, an area that we can just kind of get out and have a fire or, or get our bunny burner or our hobo stove out, we'll... Um, get that going, get the the heat going somehow, and I'll pour out any coffee that we have or make coffee from scratch. So coffee is like 
one of the first things, if not the first thing, every morning that we take care of. Yeah, we'd probably be sleeping in like most mornings if it wasn't for the coffee. Yeah, that's um, that's. Would you say that's your addiction? I don't know. I hesitate to use the word addiction, although I don't. I wouldn't say that's absolutely wrong because I do have physical side effects if I don't have it. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's your ritual. It's my ritual. Yeah, it's something I look forward to in the morning. And it like you know, there's a certain time of morning that it starts feeling like anything else going on. If I don't have the coffee by that point of the morning, it feels like a lack of coffee. Mm. And we walk our dog. So those are two things that happen. I would say virtually every morning, if not. It's because it's like really rainy or something or we're feeling bad or something like that. But the dog must be walked. <laughs> and uh, and we also probably every morning um, seek out a place to use the bathroom. So whether that is... And I feed the dog after the Oh, walk. well, that's true. You do feed the dog. And Gumby's usually in charge of feeding the dog. Very rarely do I do that. But yeah, so then we, um, we find a bathroom. Hopefully we can do that before it's a, uh, an emergency situation. So that's pretty much our standard morning. And um, let's see. The rest of the day pretty much looks like Gumby asking me what I want to (laughs) do. Often that includes um, getting some food together, whether that's whatever, dumpster diving or seeing what we've got or treating ourselves to like a restaurant. And uh, we also bathe. So in warmer weather, we go down to the creek, stream, river, lake, what have you. I'm really looking forward to that being a bigger part of our lives again as the weather gets warmer. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, the, in these cold months, we've explored going to the gym. So I got a Planet Fitness membership. And while that's uh, really nice to have a hot shower, it's also crowded and kind of gross. Um, but we make the best of that, too. And so that takes up some part of the day. And like I said, eating happens. And uh, we often go to the library. So unless we're out for a number of days in the country, um, in the countryside, we'll go to a library. And whether that's sitting outside charging our devices at the outlet um, on the outside of the building or going in and taking over an entire table. we often do that, use our time to uh, check the internet, um, do any research we need to for the podcast, et cetera. And aside from that, like if it's a nice day, um, we'll try to play tennis or go for an extended walk or at least be outside. Like we often have picnics um, and people look at us and sometimes call the authorities over, uh, which I don't understand mm-hmm. fully, but... I guess it's really strange to see people outside eating, um, especially if you're sitting on the ground. Yeah, we we tend to stand out in ways that we don't fully understand. We have people like <coughs> – just last night we went to cookout and got a couple of cheap quesadillas, and we're just sitting there eating our food, and a woman like stops and asks us if we want this soda she's got in her car that's like the ice is all melted. It's partly drunk. It's like kind of nasty. We didn't, we end up not drinking it. But we I have think a lot she of, just wanted to throw it out, and she saw two doofuses that would take it and throw it out for her. Yeah, and to us, to me and <laughs> Teresa, we, we don't look at each other and like, you know, we joke about like you look like a bag lady, you look like a hobo. But I don't think we actually stand out that much, but there apparently is something about us that does create a uh, something people respond to in that way. What's really strange is um, I 
have looked like this pretty much my whole life. Me too. I'm not looking any different. Yeah. So evidently, I have always looked homeless. But I haven't been, like, offered all this stuff in yeah. my every day. Like, when we were still at the trailer, this stuff didn't happen to me. Yeah. And I'm wearing the same clothes. I'm, I'm... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so you said just in general the day. So Yeah, run through of a day in the life. And then, like, towards it getting dark with these short days, that's usually around 4, 35 o'clock, we walk the dog again and Gumby feeds him again. And it's very specific, by the way. There's like a scoop of food per feeding, and Gumby measures it out very specifically. And then um, we tend to all scavenged food. And we tend to watch a movie or two or some sort of show. Like we just watched this Ken Burns film called The Dust Bowl. Which was better than I expected. Yeah. That had been sitting in our little uh, storage area in the van for a while, like, eh. I don't think we want to watch that. That looks pretty boring, but it ended up being pretty, pretty inter- interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we rent it from the library, and then we sometimes, like, rent it for a really long time, uh, <laughs> like mm-hmm. weeks on end. So we finally finished that one the other day. And um, and by then, it's usually about time to go to bed. So we'll hit another place to use the bathroom and uh, and then find out where we're going to sleep that night. So Gumby's got some sort of rotation schedule in his head of um, motel, hotel, parking lots. Yeah, we found a lot of places that we have not gotten disturbed to park the van, but uh, I do try to keep a rotation. So all of those places, we're not at any one of them so much that we uh, get noticed. And I think, I mean, aside from being able to go in and get hot coffee and it just be really easy and sometimes get breakfast, aside from that benefit of the hotel parking lot, I do feel like I prefer going out into the country and just being able to, like, make any noises I need to make at night, coughing or <laughs> <laughs> shut up. <laughs> One night. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, Gumby. Oh, Teresa. See, I've gotten way too comfortable in our relationship and I fart whenever I feel like farting. Which is all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. But <laughs> Teresa still tries like not to fart. <laughs> And one night, Teresa was dreaming she was alone in a field. (laughs) And I looked around in my dream. (laughs) And I heard the most relaxed sounding, leisurely (laughs) fart you could imagine. It was just like... (laughs) I mean, it it was like her butt was snoring. And it was so funny because I can still picture her in that field just looking around like, oh, no one's here. (laughs) I turned around and looked around in my dream, and I was like, oh, this is a good place as any. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we both laugh way too much about, like, fart and poo-poo humor for two people that are on two ends of 40. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so being out in the country, you can make noises. You can go outside and just pee wherever you want, and, and under the cover of darkness especially, nobody's going to see you. So, yeah, um, and that's pretty much uh, a day. And sometimes we mix it up. Sometimes we'll do different stuff, but that's a, a typical day. Mm-hmm. And this is your interview, so I'm not going to go too much into my day in the life, but I, I do want to just add that a good day living out of a van is a really good day. Mm. I mean, it feels like the best day of a vacation. It's just expansive and free. And oh, we're yeah. In, we're in wild waters. I mean, we're surrounded, like just inundated with beauty. And a bad day living out of a van is a really bad day. <laughs> I mean, like you just hate everything. Everything fucking stinks. Everything's dirty. Um, you Your know, dog has gas. Yeah, the van feels like, like a little 
whole dungeon. <laughs> I mean, everybody is hostile. You feel like they're a potential threat. It's just, uh, it sucks. And Suicide. I'm really looking forward to uh, warmer weather that we have more of those good days because it's been a hard winter, I think. I think we're both like in some degree of depression after this long, hard winter. But anything you want to add to that before we move on from a day in the life of van life? Uh, I like what you said about like a, a good day in van life is a really good day. We had a really um, difficult discussion yesterday, I think it was. And we were talking a little bit maybe about what um, some of these questions are going to cover in a little like a little later on. But I can remember being at my job and looking out the window from this clean room, by the way, I was working in like a lab that you had to often like in this one lab, we had kind of an option, but a lot of times I had to wear like a, a lab coat and a hairnet with a mask over my face and gloves. And it was really difficult for me to not be outside on a, a gorgeous day, even a cold, gorgeous day with the sun shining. Like that's a gift to me that should not be squandered being inside and so being able to, with van life, to have that day, to hang up my hammock when everybody else has to be at work and like read a book or take a nap or go for a hike or just sit down by the river and, you know, watch the water flow. I'd much rather be doing that than being cooped up inside because my boss says I have to be there a certain number of hours. Like, fuck that shit. So, mm-hmm. so Yeah. That's all I wanted to add. For me, the big part is swimming in the rivers. Like those are the days that I always think of that like I have swam in a river. It's beautiful. And I get out and I'm like, man, I got this living shit figured out. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. We've talked a lot about van life in our podcasts. Can you think of any other tricks or details that you that you have since learned both concerning van life and being what society considers homeless in general that you'd add now? Well, that's a lot. The first part of the question was about van life, right? Well, basically, um, are there any other like tricks or tips, kind of things that you've learned, little details, little filler things that maybe you have learned since we've done the episode mm-hmm. that you would add now that, um, you know, and I, I want to widen it past van life because, you know, it's not that we're always in a van. We've done other things. So just any little, little nuts and bolts you might add. <clears throat> well, here's something that... I have not fully explored yet, but I feel like I should have maybe gotten something like this a while ago. And that is a a little hot pot, one of those that you can plug in to an outlet and it boils water or it cooks things pretty quickly. I saw this woman who, uh, she had, she had some, um, things going on who doesn't, but I think she had some like more serious mental issues. Um, but she was at this women's center and I was sitting there waiting to go through intake so I could get some sanitary napkins. (coughs) And she had her bag of stuff. She whipped out this hot pot thing, had a bottle of water, poured the water in a few moments later, put in her ramen, instant ramen pack, A few minutes after that, poured the liquid carefully back into the water bottle and ate and saved the the warm liquid and ate the ramen noodles out of the hot pot. And I was fucking astounded. I was like, whoa. (laughs) So she's sitting here waiting and she just made her breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever. 
I'm sitting here waiting and I'm thinking, well, God damn it. (laughs) Why didn't I think of that? Now, I hate to spend money, but I know I could ask and probably get one of those instant, not an instant pot, but like a hot pot cheapy thing from somebody. Probably sitting around, they're not using it, they'd be happy to give it up. Um, And I don't think they cost that much anyway. If you went to like a thrift store, you'd probably find one for like five bucks, ten bucks at the most. Um, Because even though we can't use it in our minivan, I feel like we are around plugs even outdoor plugs enough that we could benefit from that. It isn't so much that it's like it's difficult to use the Coleman stove or to even use the buddy burner or the hobo stove, but there's something about being able to just let it be doing its thing without having to watch it and being able to do something else that on these short winter days, I think it would be a really valuable thing to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else that I would say about van life is um, being able to navigate public transportation if you're sharing the vehicle with someone else. I've used public transportation. It's kind of a pain in the Durham, North Carolina area. It's not free, and it will often take you like four times as long to ride the bus as it would to just drive somewhere. Um, but I will say that my times that I've used public transportation have been pretty fun days. The people on the bus uh, are often willing to have conversations with you that you might not have in other situations. I've had plenty of conversations with people about living in the minivan, about hitchhiking, about um, being homeless or houseless, about civilization, about society. I mean, these are really in-depth conversations that you can have with people because your bus ride's like an hour long to get across town. And um, people are really willing to help explain the different, like, the different stops to you, like how to get from point A to point B. And I've even been given money on the bus from people that look like they're in worse positions in life than I'm in. So really good times. Um, don't be afraid. Even if you just ride the bus, like just get on and just see where it goes and come back to where you started from. Hell, it's kind of an adventure for two bucks or however much it costs. And check out what the, the bus situation is around you because, uh, I'm surprised at how often there are free are free buses to catch. Like in Raleigh, even though Durham you have to pay, there's free buses that go to certain places in Raleigh. There's mm-hmm. free buses around Chapel Hill. Um, so that's a pretty cool resource. And I would say, like when you're when you were describing that, I think that's important for all of us. Um, like I'm thinking about what Teresa, what the day is like when Teresa goes and like does something on the bus, which has been a couple times. Um, and that the same danger is there for me too. Like you can get stuck in the van. I think it's very important that you remember that the van is a house. And so the same things apply to the van as your house. You got to make time to leave it sometimes. A house, whether it's got wheels or not, can become a prison if you don't use it mindfully. And I think uh, it's really refreshing whether you're getting on a bus or whether you're going out to do a survival overnight, to find ways to get away from your home, because then you can come back and be uh, more appreciative. appreciative. Yeah, oh, see it new. 
Yeah, so I guess that's all to say that if you are sharing a vehicle with someone, it's really, really, really important to have your own time. And whether that is walking, um, biking, if you can somehow stash a bike somewhere, or using public transportation, or, you know, meeting friends. Like I had my friends sometimes um, that were able to meet me somewhere and um, even drive me back to where Gumby was at. So, yeah, just um, we'll elaborate probably in another question on, on like time and and what to do with that. But definitely check that out. Well, the next part of this question is what are your favorite and least favorite parts about being houseless? <laughs> See, I told you. Um, all right. Most favorite thing about being houseless. All right. Um, God. Most favorite thing. And a, a, like I said, uh, most favorite parts. So it doesn't have to be like the one, mm-hmm. but just some things that are like, man, I this is something I've really learned is like, I like this about being houseless. I'd say for the most part, for the most part, being outside more and because it's like Gumby was saying, it's easy to even have the van be a prison, a dungeon on kind of difficult days that are really, really super cold or really, really rainy. But even the rainy days, especially these like kind of warm rainy days, if you can find a covered shelter, I like being out in that. It's not so difficult to cook and it's not so hard to like sit and read and enjoy. And then, you know, you've got your really beautiful days. Um, and then as we're coming up to uh, summertime, I'll be complaining about the heat, mm-hmm. but, but even so like being able to jump in the river and cool off. So being more in tune with nature, I would say is the, the best thing or the, the most favorite part of being houseless. Because if I'm renting a room or I had my own house, I feel like I do get stuck more inside and having the window open is like kind of (laughs) cheating. That's not really being outside. Least favorite. You know, it's funny because there's that other side of the coin. It's the hard days, the days when your fingers are frozen to the bone because you're having to like wash your hands in a creek or wash (laughs) your clothes in a creek or wash your body in a creek. Um, and it's so freaking goddamn cold that you mm-hmm. just can't warm up. Like the little chores in a house that would be like you just have the TV on and like the warm water just like take up half your freaking day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, so again, I guess like the flip side of that being outside all the time is I would say my – well, it's kind of hard. My least favorite thing I guess would be that super cold rainy day. Yeah, and I'd say part of the frustration is that you don't even get to be outside as if you were like living outside where you could build something. You could like have a fire. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it's like being outside where you're in a place that's so public you can't have a fire. You've had no time to like build a roof. You couldn't get away with like building a little shelter. Mm -hmm. That's really freaking annoying for me too. And I guess I'd I'd add also just, um, just feeling like you have to be on the go a lot. We've found places that we can stay, um, maybe like two days. Sometimes we'll go up to Gumby's mom's and be able to park on the little side yard 
that's not even really their property. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just kind of use it because no one's kicked us off yet. Um, but that is a, a respite. That's like such a vacation to me to have the whole expanse of the day to sit and not worry about, well, where do you want to go next? Well, what do you, what do you want to do for food? It's like, we've got a fire. We can do whatever the hell we want. Um, we can sit outside the van. We can sit inside the van. I can put up the hammock. I can lay on the ground. I can just basically do whatever. So, um, yeah, least favorite is again, that feeling of not having a place that's really, that can really wear you down. Yeah. And I have, uh, this is Teresa's first time really living for any length of time out of a vehicle. I've done it several times and I will say that that's what's always brought me back is just the wearing down of not feeling like I have a place, like I'm always in danger of being run off, which is, you know, as we've explored in other podcasts, a very arbitrary thing. You know, it's it's intentionally created to create a situation like that. Effort is put into that. Um, and what a bizarre state of things that we have to feel like we have to do things to be in a place. <clears throat> Anyway, as we both know, (laughs) rejecting the imposed structure of society, the familiar routines of a job, bills, vacations, schedules, the whole nine yards can be both a blessing and a curse. Breaking free comes with the formidable challenges of self-discipline, motivation, and finding your own meaningful inspirations. Do you feel like you can continue living without the imposed structure of a more normal, and I put normal in quotes, by our culture standards life? Or is there another way to live with some structure without employment? <clears throat> yeah, I um, I was thinking about this really hard the other day. I actually um, found this journal prompt that I wrote on for, I don't know, like 20 minutes or so. And it was about kind of what would your, if you had a magic wand, um, what would you change about your life? And, and then write about like what's stopping you from being the magic wand. And a lot of what I wrote was about structure. I used to have a fairly structured life. Some would even probably say too structured. Um, I would pretty much schedule every moment of the day to be doing something, whether that was going to a gym class, whether that was going on a hike, whether that was um, going to a dance class in the evening. And in between working and on my lunch break, walking. Um, And it felt a little extreme, especially now that I don't have any of that. But it also felt like, like Gumby, you mentioned, like you had accomplished something when you have a structure. And right now, uh, like, again, this was a difficult conversation we had the other day. I am really struggling. The shortness of the days and the amount of time that Gumby and I spend together. Um, I love Gumby. I love spending time with him. But at the same time, I am really not myself. Like, I am not spending time with other people the majority of the time. And I'm not spending time for myself the majority of the time. And that's really hard. I don't like to label things in my life. Like I don't think I'm bipolar or whatever, but I happened to read this article the other day. I typed in like, 
why do I need so much structure in my life or something like that? You know, you use Google like it's a magic eight ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're just like, ah, let's see what comes up. And this article about having um, bipolar disorder came up. So I read it and I, I kept an open mind to this because I have always thought being bipolar meant that you were like manic and you were like going out and doing crazy shit like stealing stuff and having sex with multiple partners and and then you were like depressed and then, you know, you would cycle through these different ways of, of having energy. But now I'm starting to think maybe whatever you want to call it, Maybe I do have a touch of that because in the article it was describing things that were how I feel. And that is, I feel like I really need structure, whether that is given to me by a boss um, or I'm the boss. I need, I crave having somewhere to be. And that's difficult because I don't have my own vehicle. And it's difficult because even if Gumby's like, where do you want to go? And I say, I want to go to the gym. That often looks like him waiting in the parking lot for me. And I just don't handle that very well. I want to go to the gym for hours at a time. Not because uh, I'm like socializing so much, but I want to attend classes for like four hours. And then I want to take a shower and et cetera. So I feel like that is hard for me right now. It's difficult for me to get that going, to get the ball rolling. But I feel like in order for me to continue doing this life, I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to find a way, whether it's taking public transportation. Um, yeah. So I think I answered the question. I, in a roundabout way, um, I feel like me incorporating more of a structured schedule for myself is going to be the answer instead of going back to work. Cause I don't, I don't even think I could handle a job right now. Yeah. I'd, I'd say, I think that's true for most of us that we need some kind of structure, some sense of accomplishment. I can speak for myself that, uh, often when I go to work, just the feeling that I get the paycheck at the end of the week, I feel like, Oh, you know, even though I don't believe in the whole wage slavery, the whole, uh, format of that, like the fact that I got that paycheck, I feel like I've been productive and I struggle with that quite a bit of like, how do I get a feeling of productivity out here? It's one thing to reject the things you don't believe in, but it can be really hard for me to figure out what to replace that with and to have the discipline to do that. Yeah. I feel like I have discipline in a way, but it doesn't look like self-discipline, if that makes any sense. It, to me, what my discipline looks like is I can get up to an alarm at 4.15 or 5 a.m. or whatever. I used to do that every single day. I can do that. I can go to an exercise class and bust ass and get results. What I can't do or what I have done very, very short term and then it kind of fell off is get up and do my own exercise routine, do my own meditation, do my own journaling. But if I were to have a scheduled time, maybe that would be better. But it's really, and especially, I mean, Gumby, you are an excellent example 
you set an excellent example. But I also feel like it's really hard for me to do it. I don't know what I'm lacking. I just, yeah, but I, I recognize that I really need to do that to survive. I mean, I'm lacking too. Like there are times that I'm really in the flow and like it comes easy. Like I can meditate, I can do my exercises. And you were also in a flow, you know, at, yeah. at some of that time. And then there are times where when it's an ebb, you know, and I, we've both been in like a long, dark winter's ebb. Um, you like know, when it was summertime, I think it started. In yeah, summertime. there's just so many days that are like cold and rainy and you're like, I'm not getting out in that. And it's like, too hot. I don't know it's when too the, early. I don't know where the hell I'd have to drive to make this happen. I don't really fi- feel the motivation to. And yeah, it just starts feeling kind of overwhelming sometimes. And again, I, too. I think if you have your own minivan, I'm, I'm saying minivan, but if you have your own vehicle or your own place or whatever, I think it would look a lot different for me. I would park at a gym and I would make use of that gym pretty much all day. And maybe I would walk to different places around there, whether it was for, you know, dumpster diving or for getting something, a bite to eat. I would do that and I would feel okay doing that because it's just me. But when there's somebody else to consider, then I feel like I don't want to impose my entire day on you. <laughs> Teresa and I have a lot of arguments about this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't want to argue on the podcast. So. <laughs> but like, <clears throat> I don't really like driving all over the place either. And often I feel like I'm uh, taking you places you want to go. And so, you know, it's, <laughs> I guess a lot of couples deal with this, like in their own sphere is like, well, how is something happening that neither one of us wants to happen? And we both think we're doing it for the other person. So I don't know. I don't know what the hell happens with that. But yeah, <laughs> I don't it, know either. it's challenging to get along with another human being for, really for long periods of time. I, you began to answer this next question, but uh, if you've got more to add to it, how do you feel about the possibility of going back to work and getting a place to live that requires paying bills and everything involved in that? <clears throat> right now, I feel like I would die if I had to go to a job. In that article that I mentioned about like the bipolar disorder people that were talking about structure, this woman said that she got a job um, like working a couple days a week, 3 to 11. And that worked for her because she didn't need a whole lot of money, um, blah, blah, blah. That's about her, not me. But as I thought about that, I started to cringe at the fact that someone else is going to pick what days I go to work. And then, and then once I get there, I'm there for a long time that I don't want to do that. And I can't think of too many jobs that I could do with my limited skill sets. Um, I just... I just don't think I could do it. So that leaves me with what I've kind of been dabbling in here and there, and that's like pet sitting, house sitting gigs, dog walking here and there. And I can't make a living on that. Even living in a minivan, it's kind of, I mean, I guess I could do that just for gas money, but getting a place to live, no fucking way. I used to teach yoga classes, and I was making like, I think I might have been breaking even, and that was hustling, teaching, like, all day long. I think I was making, like, $1,200 a month, 
and a thousand of that was going to my housing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, how, how do I feel? I don't feel like I could do it. And I feel like if I find a gig that I can make a little bit of money, that's great. But I really have no interest in having to pay for a room even in somebody's house. Cause I know that's going to, that's going to take me having a job. Yeah. I'd for the most part agree with that myself. I, uh, I feel like I could do it. I could go back to work and like pay some bills and get a little cheap trailer someplace, but I'm more interested in seeing this through. I've been rocking back and forth my whole life, like going and, you know, I'm a hobo now and then I get an apartment and then I'm off living out of my car and then I'm back in a nine to five job. I'm kind of tired. Like, you know, I'm over 40 and I'm tired of the rocking back and forth. I kind of feel like, all right, I've pushed in one direction now. I'm living out of my van. I, I don't really have any interest in going back for comforts anymore because I guess at this point in my life, I've realized the comforts are superficial. They're never what I think they are when I think I'm lacking them. And then when I get them, they start driving me crazy. I feel like I'm about to pop out of my skin. I mean, what's the point of trading your whole day or whatever night, your whole life, so that you can have a place to lay your head? That's mainly what I did. I mean, I wasn't in that room that I was renting or that house that I was renting all the time. I was out. I was doing my classes. I was, you know, traveling around teaching classes or going to classes. I intentionally did that because who wants to like spend their whole day in the house by themselves? Okay, maybe that sounds a little good like on certain days, (laughs) (laughs) like those really challenging days. Mm -hmm. But my point being, if I had to go to work to do that, no, it's not worth it. Yeah. The minivan to me is safe. It's comfortable. It's really the extent of what I need as far as a shelter. Like, it's pretty perfect. Fragrant. Okay. It does smell um, <laughs> on occasion. It does Carson not smell. her relaxed farts and the no. dog. And Gumby. What? All the time. Oh, got me there. All right. <clears throat> what do you think your biggest weaknesses and strengths have been in your efforts to escape society? And how do you think you've changed, maybe been changed, by these experiences in the last couple of years? Okay, strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I think one of my strengths is that I have tried to be pretty um, open and flexible when it comes to uh, just trying things like the survival overnights or the houseless retreats. Gumby, you said that like you've never had anyone come with you on the houseless retreat. I've, uh, in my dating history, of course, anybody who dates me with the kind of weird crap I'm involved in has to uh, be somewhat adventurous. But Teresa has definitely signed up for things that <laughs> nobody has even come close to signing up for before, including hitchhiking trips, including houseless retreats, living on the streets for a week. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely say that is a huge strength. And I don't know if you realize how much that sets you apart from other people. Like, you got fucking balls. Mm. (laughs) I keep them in a bag because I'm a bag lady. Sexy balls. Mm. And along with that, I feel like even though I still have too much stuff, I... I'm not one of these people that's like, I've got to have my this or that. Like, I, I hold on to really stupid stuff. 
Like I hold on to a birthday card that my parents sent me this past year. Like, I mean, but I don't hold on to things like mascara or, or even things like, like food or, or beverages like coffee. I don't need to drink coffee. I do occasionally because it's warm and it it can be fun to drink, but I don't need it. And I've tried throughout my life to be that way. Like I've tried to see, all right, I have a sweet tooth. Can I make it without having sweet stuff? Can I make it without having, you know, certain types of clothes? My pants right now are like fucking rotted through in the crotch. (laughs) I am walking around with basically crotchless pants. I wear leggings. It's not as sexy as it sounds. No, I wear leggings underneath my pants because my two pair of pants are like this. And if I didn't, I mean, it would just be, it would be bag lady. And I don't know what the hell it is about our lifestyle, but uh, I also have crotchless underwear. And what's your the, underwear? What was it the other morning oh when my, my balls were hanging out oh of my, my underwear? God. Oh and my you God. said it looked like a breached birth. <laughs> I mean, it's a really sexy lifestyle. Oh my here. God, like, Gumby. It's a, it's a constant ego stroke it's, every day. It's the combination of I have thighs that rub together that make my pants wear out really fast. And I don't know what Gumby's rubbing together for that to happen. <laughs> you don't want to. And know. we're also, I mean, I don't throw clothes out easily, obviously. I mean, these pants would have been thrown by people, like, the first sign of having a wear in the the pants. I just, I'm going to wear the shit out of these pants. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I kind of care, but it's it's a slow caring. And I feel like that's a strength, though, because if I had to constantly update, upgrade my wardrobe... I could find stuff. I could probably ask people for clothes and get them, but I really, I mean, I just don't fucking care. And that's why I'm a bag lady and I'm not sexy. Well, it's hard to be sexy out here. And a weakness. Um, I think a lot of times um, I'm depressed and I really don't have a good reason to be depressed Gumby says I indulge in that, and I do. Um, I indulge in the fact that, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like nobody loves me. Nobody appreciates me. And how self-important is that? Like, I feel disgusting saying those things out loud, but it's the truth. Um, I think there's another question a little later on that I'm going to answer, and it's going to be like, I want to smack myself because I know – What's going to come out sounds like this self-important, self-indulging drivel, but it's the fucking truth. And I recognize that. And I guess, you know, like the first step is recognizing that you have a problem. (laughs) Hi, my name is Teresa (laughs) and I'm a self-important bastard. I'd say we all are. And the other half of that question is, How do you think you have changed and maybe been changed by your experiences in attempting to escape society in the last couple of years? Uh, There is a lot that I had, uh, like, preconceived notions of. I had my own set of values and ethics and all of that stuff. And that's really been thrown upside down. We just did the upside down podcast. We just recorded that. 
And I feel like my life, a lot of that has been thrown upside down um, by Gumby. (laughs) And also because I started thinking about a lot of the things that I held as truth because that's what my parents said, because that's what society says. And now I, I don't know. Those things don't make any sense anymore. Like working, like, you know, education, like being a helper, like voting, um, like believing in all the shit that you hear on the news or, you know, in advertising or wherever, wherever you go. And so, um, my life has really been rocked and I I mean, to get into all the, the little details of it, I guess the main, one of the main ones is, um, is like being a helper, seeing how in our life we can go to a dumpster and find food. But just this morning, seeing a helper filling up her SUV with banana boxes full of the food that would have been in the dumpster. And now I can't get it unless I figure out what church or what organization she's a part of. And then I have to go fucking hunt down the food and probably give over information and maybe even have to prove how much I need that food to somebody when I could have just gotten it and been done with it. And and thinking about that in a bigger picture of how we think we need to help people, but maybe the the strength of helping ourselves makes life that much more vibrant. Does that make sense to you? I mean, you said a lot there. Like, uh, <laughs> for one thing, when you said I turned your life upside down, <laughs> I actually struggle with that because for a long time, you know, we all have our different energies we bring to this life. And I have seen myself as a catalyst. I've seen it over and over. And I'm not always pleased with the change that I bring to people's lives. And uh, I've, I've become a pretty solitary person. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I just know things that don't make sense to me. And I know that questions come into my mind that don't seem to come into the minds of a lot of the people around me. So I take no great pleasure in turning a person's life upside down. And, um, yeah, (laughs) it bothers me sometimes. Like, I feel like sometimes I feel like the time in my life when I was just occasionally tomcatting and other than that, keeping to myself and living like a homeless person was maybe the closest I've come to a a person that has the kind of energy I have to like making sense of it. Um, but yeah. And God, something else you said got me thinking, I can't remember. Well, about the helpers. Yeah, the helpers. So (laughs) I think we are meant to like pull together as a tribe. It's not that there's anything wrong with helping each other. It's that we've created such a artificial and bizarrely skewed situation when we're such damaged people that so often what gets called help in our cult- culture is actually creates a new problem that gets addressed by more helpers. So to me, that's the, the question that like I struggle with is what is true help? It doesn't mean you just like, ah, oh, screw the other guy. No, that's part of the problem. Um, yeah. So it, it's hard exploring some of these things I explore. And I'll, I'll just say, um, with regard to like Gumby turning my life upside down, of course, 
I am, I don't want to say allowing it. I am welcoming it because I could have just walked away from Gumby. I could have said, you are a crazy man. (laughs) I say that anyway, but I don't walk away. And the reason why is it's one of my beliefs that I'm not letting go of that the, the purpose of life is to experience and explore it. And if you are just, if you're only, what is that word? Curating? If you're selecting things in your life, only the things that you believe in, only the things that that make sense to you, only the things that you agree with, what kind of life is that? I mean, you might be maybe artificially happy, maybe... Maybe you are happy. Maybe you're happier that way. I don't know. But I've never felt happier um, doing that. I felt numb. I felt like uh, there's something behind the curtain or or something that I need to explore. And I'm just, I've just never been a person that is like, wanting to have a family, wanting to have a house, wanting to have, you know, fancy clothes and a fancy car and, and this and that. I just, that doesn't work for me. And so meeting someone who shakes things up is the most valuable person to me. And it's hard. And Gumby says, I don't like it when you say it's hard to be with me. And it's like, well, I'm sorry. It just, that's how I feel. Mm. It's not easy to like confront things this morning. I did not want to go into this place to get coffee, nor like Gumby's like, well, why don't you try to fill up the thermos in there? I'm like, oh, God, damn it. This is not a place to do that. I really feel like really uncomfortable. Okay, I got to do it. I got to do it. I didn't have to do it, but I did it. And he's getting mad at me. Um, (laughs) The reason why is I needed to confront that in myself. I needed to figure out, like, why do I have this block? Like, why do I have this problem? And so I went in there, and it was totally fine. I mean, yeah, I still don't think that I'd want to do that all the time, but it was okay. Like Gumby said, you know, the fuzz didn't catch you, and you weren't thrown in jail. That's very true. What are you most afraid of? (laughs) That's why I went in there this morning. Because I knew that this question was going to come up. Like, what do you fear the most? What, What are you afraid of? And I guess to boil it down, it's having a life where I'm not exploring those things, having a life that when I get to the end of my life, I'm like, I didn't do anything. I wasted it. I went to work every day. I came home. I did the same thing every day. And then like, you know, you wait till retirement age and then you end up dying like two weeks later or something. I don't want to have that kind of life. And so having a life that is constantly experimenting, constantly pushing edges. Um, I want that. And then 
you know, the flip side of that is, I guess what I fear is just being dull, being complacent, just not trying. Yeah, I think one of the challenging parts of that is like, it's hard to take responsibility for your own life, not to feel like someone has turned your life upside down or that like someone has coerced you into things that you don't want to do, but to recognize that your choices, like, I don't know, that's one of the things I struggle with is like on my own, you know, the way I look at my life, I, I, nobody's turned my life upside down. Nobody's coerced me into things I don't want to do. And so I've always felt a little bit dangerous in a way that I don't understand and I don't necessarily want to be to the people closest to me because I've had these conversations before where someone, you know, is kind of like, oh, my life was going a certain way. And I'm like, but <laughs> like one of my ex-girlfriends wanted to learn about dumpster diving. And that that ended up being something that she uh, really condemned me for in the end. And I didn't want to bring her into that. So anyway, whew, all right, let me focus here. The Teresa interview. <clears throat> <laughs> I got, some, I got some fodder for the Gumby interview, but yeah. we'll see when we get to that. I mean, when I say that I really didn't want to go in there, it's not like there was a gun to my head. It's not like I had to go in there. I chose to go in there. It wasn't Gumby like, you know, some sort of coffee cult that <laughs> we have to like go get it. It's just, it's that edge. It's that that thought of like, all right, why am I uncomfortable? Or like, what is the the... I, I guess this is um, rude, but when I, I hear it, I it works for me. Like, what is the main malfunction in my brain right now? Like, why can I not get past this? And it's the same, like, going over rocks in a creek. It's the same way. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then I do it, and it's fine. Or I do it, and I get my shoe wet. So who cares? I mean, it's fine. And most things in life are fine. Now, if you told me to jump off a cliff, I might say no. <laughs> <laughs> well, as someone who resists the way of life imposed on you by this culture, can you describe in as much detail as possible what a better way of life might look like, what you wish we were all working towards? Okay. There's a lot there. Yeah. So in other words, if there's a problem with this culture, you're resisting it presumably because you see a problem with this culture, mm-hmm. this way of doing things. So what would the better way look like? What do you wish that, mm. you know, if you were boss of the world, what do you wish that people were finding in themselves and working towards? What would be an improvement? Would it be voting for a new party? Would it be uh, a difference in taxes? You know, the, as just examples mm-hmm. of like other things someone might consider a solution. What would your solution be? How do we make <laughs> a better world if there's something yeah. wrong with this one? And uh, presumably there is if you're resisting it. Hmm. God. Well, I've said this before, and I don't have solutions per se. I feel like living in a tribal way, um, small community of people who basically they have a certain agreement about things like you know, the way that we respect the land, the way that we, you know, honor the hunt or whatever rituals that we have um, is a strength. And I don't know how to get back to that. 
I, I mean, and that's the only thing I keep coming back to. And, you know, there's these intentional communities and all that stuff and there's communes and all that stuff. And I admittedly have not tried any of that, but maybe it works for some people. I've heard a lot of negative things. Um, and I think it's because, and Gumby and I have talked about this, like it's, it, it can't be a choice per se. Like it, tribe has to be real. It has to be authentic. You can't just make it up and pretend like there's not the rest of the world out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know what that's going to take. I don't know if we just need to let this beast play out and all everything goes to shit and then we can like get the survivors together and well what would that look like letting the beast play out would that still involve like uh consumerism and participation in this culture mm. this is a hard question um I guess maybe another way to look at this, and uh, obviously this isn't one of the questions that Teresa got to see ahead of time and prepare <laughs> for, but maybe paint a picture of like, okay, the world got fixed. What does that look like? What does that fixed world look like? Like maybe set aside for a moment, how do we get there, which obviously yeah. is, is complicated. What does a fixed world look like? Mm. I think it would have a lot less people in it. And I think that the people would be um, at least semi-nomadic and uh, the technology that we would have would be like the bow drill. It would be, you know, maybe having some way to make like fabric or cloth or something, but not a lot of machinery. I feel like when they say the old ways, I don't know. That's about all I have. Like I, I keep picturing like indigenous people and how even in our life, we try to incorporate like, you know, go into the river to bathe, to wash our clothes, to um, prepare our food over a fire. I love that. And I wish that the rest of the world could do that and see the value in it instead of, you know, all this stuff, this iPad and the vehicles we have and everything like that. All right. Well, here's my last question. If this were your final day on the planet, yep. the last hurrah, the big send-off, the last battle, the final chapter, end game, the last stand, your last ride around in your Teresa meat suit, <laughs> what would you do with it? Wow. All right. Um, last day. That would include going to a beautiful place out in nature and just sitting and being with all the sounds, all the feelings, all the emotions, all the everything about me and my surroundings. I would just sit there. And as the day came to a close, I would hope that the end of my life would come quick and peaceful. But if not, 
I'd have to experience that too. But yes, it just sitting. I would just sit. Maybe there'd be a tree or a rock or something that I could sit up against. Mm-hmm. What would your last message to others trying to escape society be? Mm. It would be that It would be that the paradise, like the thing that you're seeking, is all around you, but you just have to walk away from that thing, that society, you know, is dangling in front of you. Being out in the woods, being out in the the desert or whatever, wherever place, it's there. And I just feel like if you can walk away from this society, I feel like that would be, you would be so much happier. Mm-hmm. I like that. And finally, and this was all part of one question, but <laughs> and what might be a favorite memory that you might reflect on, on that last day and a main regret? Mm. Well, my favorite memories are often of, um, the places that I've seen that are so unique and it's hard to think about like even going back to them. Like I wanted to show Gumby this one place. Um, but we ended up not seeing it on our travels around the United States and I'm kind of glad cause I feel like in my memory, that is one of my favorite memories. And so, yeah, I would, I would say like this place, this, um, upheaval dome, um, in all of its isolation and desolation. Where is that? I believe it's in Utah. Hmm. Um, it was just on the other side of Utah from where my parents moved to. But yeah, that that's one of my favorite memories. And I have a lot of other favorite places and times that I've experienced in my life. So I just try to run through all those and remember them. And uh, my regret, hmm, God, that's a difficult one. Yeah, the way I like to think about it is if you had it to do all over again, if you could go back and change something, like that's the way I kind of think of a regret, of like at least one thing that, no, all right, I probably would not repeat that just the way it went. Ah, okay. Well, I would have tried this van life thing a lot sooner. I would have, like, I would have said no to a lot of the things in my life, like college and working and all of that. I think if I would have somehow had the strength back then, I guess I lacked, um, to just do it. Yeah. I guess that would be my biggest, that's my biggest regret is I didn't do this like, you know, 15, 20 years ago. How come? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, not so much how come, like, unless you want to answer that, how come you didn't, but why, what do you think would have helped if you had started earlier? What would be the... I feel like I would have, um, I would have met a lot of interesting people. I would have seen a lot of cool stuff. Maybe I would have gotten arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, like all these things that you're so scared of not happening in your life. Like, I think I would have just gotten it all out of the way and just been okay. Even if my life was shorter. Um, and, and the reason why 
uh, I guess is, you know, like I said, I wasn't strong enough to put up with a lot of the, like the backlash that would have happened. Um, so yeah, if I would have had that strength back then to just be like, no, I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing until further notice. This is my life. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Teresa, for answering those questions. Boy, that was a lot harder to conduct an interview when, (laughs) like, you know, you're not an impartial interviewer, Mm. but, you know, a lot of the answers and everything are uh, personally involving you. That's that's a hard uh, interview to conduct. Um, But I really appreciate you answering the questions. And is there any last thing you want to add as we sum up this interview? I I really appreciate you asking those questions and exploring that. And I've gotten like semi like about to start crying on some of the questions. So I know that I've answered them authentically and um, really tried to share a little bit more about what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. So hopefully our listeners will appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And uh, our, our outro here, we usually read a... Um, uh, a comment from a listener, but I don't have to read this one cause it's from my dad and he, I don't think he ever has listened to an episode, but he did listen to our theme song. And that's Mike from where? Cedar city, Utah, <laughs> um, by way of Ohio. Uh, so he says Beverly or Durham hillbillies. So yeah, um, that's kind of what we are. I'm okay with that. Yeah, our theme song sounds really uh, hillbilly and redneck, but actually it's based on, I guess that would be a country folk song. Yeah, folk song. Yeah, the chords were inspired by Bony Fingers by Hoyt Axton. <laughs> so basically I just took those chords and like uh, played them a little differently. But yeah, that's uh, one of my little songs I'd play during camp. Bony Fingers, <laughs> Bony Fingers. And uh, <clears throat> Oh, and by the way, if you were wondering what the hell I said at the beginning of the episode, Snake. That was from a time when I think we were talking about eating snake and I was wishing that the snake was bigger, like we could have a steak, um, a snake steak and what that would like, what the term for that would be. Marijuana was involved. Okay. Um, but yeah, so snake and it's fun to say. S N T E A K. We spent like an hour both like looking at each other going, yake, yake. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we're retarded, but that's okay. We appreciate you listening. If you have any comments, questions, um, anything, just write to us. You can do that on our website, escapingsociety.weebly.com. Thank you. See you next time. So, thank Thank you for listening to our song. It's not very good and it went kind of long. Don't care if you like it cause we'll be gone over that next horizon. We ain't got no 